Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more. One obvious benefit has been the efficiencies and our internal workflows. By doing more work for clients that are similar, you know, we can really dial in our processes. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help overworked CPAs go down to 40 hours without giving up revenue. My name is Geraldine Carter. My guest today is Julie Powell. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Geraldine. Excited to be here. I'm happy to have you. For people who don't know, tell us who you are, where you are, what you do. Well, I'm a CPA in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm the owner of JP Financial Solutions. Um, a firm that I've had about 14 years um, coming June. It's a little hard to believe, but um, we have a team of four and we provide accounting, tax, and financial services to our clients. And what kinds of clients do you currently work with? Yeah, well, historically, we've primarily worked with professional services and real estate and after working with you last fall in the mastermind, we are now focusing on female-owned law firms. So we're talking today about niching and what that's been like for you and that journey, because you mentioned in the green room that niching was one of the reasons that you came into Down to 40 Hours. And one of the things that I think is so incredibly valuable for accountants and CPAs is the journey of niching, either starting or continuing to niche and so on, just because of the countless benefits that it creates in your business. So where were you about a year ago? So that would have been, you know, last May-ish. Where were you about a year ago with your niche or lack thereof? You mentioned in the intro a couple of things, but tell us what was on your mind with regard to the people that you worked with. I was spinning, to be quite honest. I had gotten to the point where, and I think I kind of went about this backwards, I had already disengaged from a lot of clients over the prior two or three years. So I'd already done that very painful step. And and I knew that I needed to take one more step to really um, specialize my firm. I just couldn't get there on my own. Um, I was spinning, I was a little confused, and I knew that that we had to do something. And so that actually led me to your mastermind. That, that's one of the keywords in how I found your podcast and started the journey of actually selecting my niche. 
And what was keeping you from selecting your niche before that? Was it like, I don't know which one to pick? What if I don't pick the right one? What if I pick one that's not profitable? What was keeping you in the spin? Well, a few things. I I think there's always the fear of, you know, if I do this, am I going to miss out on some great revenue and growth opportunities? You know, am I pigeonholing myself? And for me, too, I have a lot of non, I have a lot of different legacy clients. And gosh, do I have to let them go? I think the biggest mental block for me, I think really where my aha moment came last fall when we were working together was I can select a niche and it's not irreversible. So for some reason, you know, if if we focus on this niche uh, for a couple of years and then just find out it's, you know, it's not the best fit, I can always pivot, right? And, And select a different niche. So something about that almost gave me permission. It was a little bit liberating. So I could just go ahead, take that leap and, and pick a niche. And so when you took the leap and picked the niche, what was your first step? Because niching can be a process of kind of continually carving off and narrowing down what doesn't fit. So where, what was your first step? Well, the first step was really kind of looking at the packages that we offered and making sure that we were providing services that, that really lined up with the needs of this niche. And I would say, actually, that probably ran parallel with, okay, I've been working with law firms in the past, and they happen to be female-owned. But let's really dig into what are their pain points, what are their challenges. Let's let's really start to get to know this niche and, and invest some time understanding these clients better. And what did you find when you began the process of starting to get to know these folks better when it comes to, like, compared to what you had been doing and offering? It was interesting. I found that their struggles were very similar to mine, actually, as a CPA. And it was also pretty clear to me, you can see the continuum of the, the life of a, a law firm and, and all the different places where we could provide assistance. And I think that was one of the things that most excited me as I really started digging into this niche was, okay, well, you know, we can we can do a one-off strategy session and help somebody just starting out all the way down to, you know, their 10 million in revenue, and we can do a lot of long-term planning and forecasting and and do things that are really impacting not just their business, but their lives. So it was, that was kind of my experience. And where did you struggle with what to put in the packages? Because I think that this is a common challenge in this process is the thought, you know, if I'm making a sort of a bronze, silver, gold for say, a mid six figure client, what a la carte line item services do I include at which levels and which do I not put in so that I don't get burned by scope creep? What was your experience of that and how did you navigate it? Well, I think I had a little bit of an edge in that we had been doing packages for several years. So I had, you know, the whole Ron Baker and the value pricing and all that. I, I bought into that. I, I really despise billing. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that lined up with what I, I wanted to do. And so I already kind of had packages in place. But again, having the benefit of having worked with law firm clients, just going back and seeing like, okay, what, what are some of the questions? What were some of the, the things that, you know, came across in our communications together that I think would be helpful as we move forward and, and offer these services to them. And, and I will say too, it's, it's fluid. Hmm. You know, I, one of the, one of the best nuggets I think from our mastermind last fall was it was simple. You said, you know, create a Google doc and keep notes on your clients when they talk about what they need, what they like, what they don't like, you know, what's irritating them. And that has been so helpful. So 
I am constantly, in fact, I just updated it yesterday from a client conversation. It's that type of information. It's those little nuggets that they're sharing that allow us to continue to evolve the services that we're providing. Nice. And can you give us an example of what might be in that Google Doc, which I agree is some, one of the most helpful things to do because you have like, it keeps your eye on the prize of what they care about and what they're struggling with compared to what you do in the sort of delivery aspect. Can you give us an example of some of the things that they say about how working with you impacts them or why it's valuable? Well, sure. I, well, I had someone just this week say, you know, you, I kind of look at you similar to my, my clerks in the courthouse and that we want to keep you happy. <laughs> we won't keep, we want to keep JP financial happy because we love working with you guys. But it's some of the things that they say that have been really helpful. And, and this is a simple one, for instance, but um, we are exclusively QuickBooks online in our firm. Most of my clients really despise QuickBooks Online. <laughs> they, they, you know, just getting in there, it's one of those things. If you're not in there every day, it's a little difficult to remember where to go. How do I navigate to get the reports, blah, blah, blah. So we're taking that piece of information, for instance, and we're betaing using another app where all they have to do is open a Google worksheet and it will get them the data in QuickBooks. It's got a live feed. So it's, it's that type of thing with people saying, oh, I'm struggling with finding this report to, okay, well, I've heard a couple people say that. What can we do about that? And so this is this is one of example where we're trying to respond to that. Nice. That's so great. I, as somebody else hand raised who despises QuickBooks Online, <laughs> goes in there and immediately gets lost. Yes. It's not just the lawyers. <laughs> That's um, funny. I love how you've taken a, you know, something that you're hearing from your clients on repeat and thought, okay, how can we make this better for them? They still get everything that they need and we create this connection once, you know, we set it up once and then it just continues to create value across multiple clients uh, in perpetuity. One of the main benefits of niching is that it makes it so much easier to provide value for your clients. What are some of the ways that it's helped you internally on the inside in terms of delivery? Of course, it's early days for us. We've selected this niche last fall, but one obvious benefit has been the efficiencies in our internal workflows. By doing more work for clients that are similar, you know, we can really dial in our processes. And I think, of course, that saves us time, which is great, but it also helps me feel confident that we're keeping a, a high quality of work across the board with those processes. And, you know, I think, and this is something I'll be working on more this year, but I know in our work together, Geraldine, especially having a really clear and compelling marketing message, because that's, that's my next big step in this niche. I feel pretty comfortable in the packages and I've never done marketing before. So just knowing I don't have to appeal to everyone. I just, I just have to appeal to this niche, right? And the more we're focused on this group, and the more we really understand them, I think hopefully we're going to be able to communicate that to potential clients in a way that really resonates with them and, and attracts them to our firm. So as you work with more lawyers, what's been your thinking around your legacy clients? Because you mentioned at the beginning, I have these legacy clients relationships I've had for a long time. What do I do with these folks? So what do you see now about your options for your legacy clients who might not be solo female or female owned law firms? 
Well, I'm continuing to evaluate our client roster. You know, we, we want to continue working with clients that are a good fit. Again, I went through that painful, very painful disengaging process um, a few years ago. So the ones that are left that are not in my niche, they're really good clients. And so I, at this point, again, it's early days for me in niching, but I don't feel like I'm going to be walking away from them anytime soon. To me, it's more of a forward focus. So my, you know, our continued growth efforts and our marketing and everything are going to be focused on female, female-owned law firms. Yeah. So hold on to the legacy clients for now that are good clients and that you're doing good work for and they're happy and you're happy to have them around. And the forward direction and the ones that you're adding in will be the law firm clients inside your niche. You got it. Yep. I love it. It's um, niching is not a light switch, turn it inside out overnight process. It's a long term play that you transform over time and just take it month by month, quarter by quarter and make changes as it makes sense for your firm. You mentioned marketing in there. Before I go there, I wanna go to pricing. What impact has niching had on your pricing and your confidence in pricing? Oh, I think it's had an immense impact because I know what similar clients are willing to pay. I know what value we're bringing to to clients that that are also female-owned law or law firms. And so it, it really increases the confidence that, you know, I know this is a, a good product and I know this is a fair price and I think that comes across when you talk to new clients that you know this is this is a good deal that's a good deal and what's their response have you noticed a shift in their response in your discovery conversations oh I think basically the services sell themselves at that point because what we're also bringing the to that discovery call is we understand we, we have clients that look like you. We understand your struggles. You know, these are the types of things we're doing for them. And it's just like, oh my gosh, she gets me. And it's it's been a really positive thing. And and I think that's one of the reasons as we go forward with marketing, I want to be very intentional about it because I think we could grow as much, maybe more than I even want to grow. So it's Having the niche, having that deeper understanding of a client makes the discovery process so much better, Um, not just for me and delivering it, but also for the client understanding what we do and and how we can help them. One of the most common questions or objections I get about niching is, in addition to I'll limit my revenue, is I'll be bored. What's been your experience? Well, I, I would say it's completely the opposite for me. I mean, this is really exciting. I mean, now that I can kind of funnel down and really focus on a specific group, it's like, oh, wow, you know what? We could learn this and they've got this podcast and look at these books. And I haven't been bored at all. In fact, I I really think it's kind of lit a new fire. There's a new energy in our firm around, okay, let's, let's be more specific and, and, you know, figure out how we can help these clients to the best of our ability. So boredom, no, not at all. And how about the other common objection is, isn't that going to limit my revenue and won't I be limiting the number of people that I can work with? So what are you finding when it comes to the availability of revenue and or margins, both those things in one? I haven't found that to be the case. And again, I'm approaching this maybe less rigidly than some because I do have non-niche legacy clients. And if a non-niche client were to come to us and they would have been a good fit, uh, you know, 
except for not being a law firm at this point, I wouldn't turn them away. So I'm doing this a little more slowly and intentionally and less rigidly perhaps than, than some might, but I think that that's just part of our growth process. Do you feel like niching has been limiting to your revenue or is it neutral or is it growing? No, Geraldine, I wouldn't say that it's been limiting at all because now that we're beginning to really understand this type of client better, we can do more things for them, which means they're 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 moving into the silver and gold packages and you know doing add-on advisory services like cash flow planning. So I would actually say the opposite. I think niching has been great for our margins. And what about competition? Do you feel like, you know, Nashville is a big city, but it's also a tiny town? What's it done for your sense of competition and, you know, uh, market share, if you will? It's not an issue, really. You know, when I moved to Nashville, I grew up in Middle Tennessee, but I moved back to Nashville to start my practice again about 14 years ago. And one of the attorneys that that was a mentor and that I had worked with said, you know, Nashville is a really big, small town, but you're never going to have to fight for clients. The client, the clients are here. The clients are in the Southeast. They're, you know, they're worldwide now, right? We can, we can go anywhere. We've been a remote firm from day one. So competition really hasn't been anything on my radar. It's just, we know who we are. We know what, who we're serving now and we know what we do. And we just, that's what we're focusing. So when we started our mastermind, Geraldine, and we last fall and we start talking about niching, it was so funny because for some reason, niching reminded me of Lincoln Logs. Yeah. You remember the Lincoln Logs, the little wooden building pieces, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you were an engineer in a previous life, right? You probably loved Lincoln Logs. Yeah, we, we have a set. <laughs> See, exactly. So, you know, you sit down and you, you dump the Lincoln Logs, you dump all the pieces out of that strange little bucket onto the floor and you get to make a decision. You know, I can build all these little small structures in my little Lincoln Log community, right? Or I can take all my pieces and make this really cool, amazing cabin, right? So the pieces are kind of like, you know, there's a finite capacity of pieces. There's finite capacity in my firm too. So in the past, yeah, we've been kind of working around. We've had our little Lincoln Log community of different clients. And right now, though, we're in the process of building one really amazing cabin that can focus just on this one group of clients. So it's, you know, we're really excited. Um, but I always thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> Whatever visual works, right? And I love the analogy of Lincoln Logs because you can either, like you say, you can build tiny little things and have them all over the place. I mean, you have a, a finite set of logs. So what do you want to build? If you style out your Lincoln Log cabin for female-owned law firms, there are countless, countless women lawyers for whom you could have an enormous impact. So last couple of questions here. Um, what, if anything, haven't you liked about being niched? Well, that's an interesting question. Well, I, I think a blessing and a curse of this industry is there are some accounting nuances. So, you know, it's a little extra work doing the trust accounting, for instance, and we do client cost things. So, so there's always that piece. Another thing that can be challenging and, and that I'm just really kind of tiptoeing into is, you know, you say female owned law firms is my niche. Well, there are a lot of different types of law. And what I'm finding is, you know, employment law is very different from real estate law and, you know, different things. And so there's also 
what will probably ultimately happen, I imagine, is we're, we'll kind of sub-niche and not, you know, maybe not serve all types of law firms, but only certain types, just again, so that we can get those efficiencies and, and really understand the challenges specific to those type of law firms. That is so interesting because already female-owned law firms, you could imagine an accountant listening to this who has clients who run the full spectrum thinking, wow, female-owned law firms, that sounds so hyper-specific. And yet what you're finding as you get in there is that in fact, you can still split that out at least two or three or four more ways. Is there one of those that seems appealing to you or is it still too early to tell? I think it might still be too early to tell. And again, you tend to be a little biased toward what you know. So the the types of law firms that we've dealt with, we already know how to work with them and we understand kind of how their revenue works and and there's advantages to that. So uh, too early to tell, I'd say. Okay. A couple of weeks ago in Mastermind, I asked a question to everyone in there just to take a temperature of the room. Who's curious or interested about the idea of offering services that are in a one-to-many format instead of one-on-one work? And a bunch of heads nodded. And I'm curious to know what your thoughts are around that and what possible pathways you see for being able to offer expertise packaged up in a one-to-many format. Yes. Well, I was one of the head nodders. Um, I am very interested, especially you know, in the next year or two, after we've really gotten comfortable in, in this niche of exploring what some of those one-to-many might look like. I'll be completely honest. I have no idea what that would look like. I do know just from my experience in your mastermind, I know the value of having that community. And so, you know, maybe it looks a little something like that that brings in that component. I'm not sure. That's That's one of the exciting things on the horizon. One of the things that I love about niching is you start to see all the different ways that you could take something and that you get to choose what interests you with the overlap of what you think would be valuable for your clients. And one of the things that you mentioned in there is the community of, you know, in our case, the like-minded CPAs who are taking their business in a certain direction and you have, you know, a community of other people to tap into who are experiencing the same kind of challenges and that you're, you could see offering a similar kind of thing for your, for your clients who would very likely be appreciative or find value in that same kind of thing. So last question here, do you ever think about throwing it into reverse and going back to being nicheless? No, a resounding no. <laughs> and again, you know, we're still spiced up with some non-niche clients and that's fine, but it just, I don't know, it just, yeah. it feels like we're picking up steam. And the more we learn and the better we understand these clients, I mean, it is really exciting to think about the opportunities and ways in which we can serve them. So definitely not thinking about that. So if somebody is out there and maybe they have a broad spectrum of clients, what's the one most important piece of advice that you would give a person who's in that situation and maybe considering niching? Well, I think niching is a win-win for, for your firm and for your client. But I would have to say the most important piece of advice I can give you is to find your community. Um, I can't tell you how helpful it was with your coaching, Geraldine, and the support of my mastermind cohorts. Um, This is a a huge pivot to make in your firm. And so 
just having a place where you can feel supported and safe and encouraged as you're kind of taking this leap of faith and selecting your niche, I would definitely say find your community. Awesome. Yeah, community is so, so helpful. So if people have been listening and they want to connect with you or find out more about you, how can they do that? Sure. Well, they can always reach us at our website, jpsolutions-llc.com or reach me by email, jpowell at jpsolutions-llc.com. Awesome. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Julie, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Geraldine, thank you so much. This was great. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.